This is the Bobcast, a podcast exploring Reformed theology through the works of Herman Bobink. Welcome to Bobcast. This is episode 19. I am Andrew Smith. And I'm Caleb Castro. So we're continuing our discussion on chapter 4 of The Wonderful Works of God. We're actually going to finish it today. We're only doing two episodes on this chapter. As we mentioned before, we're picking up the pace a little bit as we work through this book. So we finish it in less than five years. But we will finish the race. Because, I mean, we might not even be alive in five years. We could get raptured. (gasps) I wish we'd all been raptured. If you haven't seen Thief in the Night, it's totally worth a, a, a night. Grab a, you know keg of beer and uh, have at it you know i've never seen thief in the night but i grew up in the age of left behind and we had in our house we had all those books we had the audio books we had every attempt at a movie adaptation like that was a big deal it wasn't until i was in my 20s where i was like oh there's other ways to understand the end times although that's a whole other can of worms for a very long episode or series of episodes. You know, the downside, though, of Left Behind, uh, as great as uh, it is to watch Kirk Cameron, you know, in his hair, the whole thing is that, like, there's no uh, there's no songs. And I kind of wonder, like, if there would ever be a place for a, a Left Behind musical. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Can they get Nick Cage in that one, too? <laughs> I mean, they... Just, it's just such a strange thing. Like, they made a Left Behind movie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, you know what? It I've seen that maybe, uh, I think I've seen it once, and I've watched a certain clip of it uh, that involves an individual waving a gun around, if you know the scene, uh, in the plane. Yeah. And I just, you know what? I still can't get over that that movie exists. <laughs> you know, so I bad. loved that movie, not because it's good, Not because I in any way agree with the theology, but it's just like one of the most unintentionally hilarious movies I've ever seen. Like I was just rolling laughing (laughs) the whole time. I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard at a movie. Oh, I had like the exact opposite reaction with it. And like usually I I laugh at everything, but that just actually physically hurt my body. I mean, I it was just it was just weird. Oh, wow. (laughs) Anyways. So thus. (laughs) So Bob Inc. (laughs) <laughs> or something, anything but that. Going back then to the flood, curse and blessing. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, God goes and he shows forth his judgment to all the wicked people of the world and spares Noah. And in this way, we get another example of how God is long-suffering. He's patient with mankind and he's merciful. I mean, it has been hundreds of years since the exile from the garden, and God still hadn't destroyed mankind, but he spares mankind even from total destruction when the world reached, like, I mean, practically the lowest point that it could. So then looking on from the flood, you see, again, this build out of culture, of society, but all of humanity stays in one place until we get to the Tower of Babel. We have the issue of all of mankind in one place, again, accumulating their own power, their own strength, with that their own wickedness, 
and God must once again intervene to put an end to that wickedness. And this time it is done through the confusing of the language and the disbursement of the peoples. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago, we did a Bob bite on Bob Inc.'s views on racism in America. And this was one of the issues that came up. The scattering of peoples and confusing of languages is reflective of the decline because with that scattering, there is a deviating, a, a walking away, a leaving behind of the worship of the true God, as we saw before already with the line of Cain. And with that, I mean, uh, and it, it's a tragic thing that this occurred in Genesis 11, because it's like we just said, I mean, man is really supposed to be unified by virtue of sharing the Imago Dei, all being uh, made in the image of God as a single community to worship God. But here at the Tower of Babel, you actually get the first of one of uh, many times that scripture brings about the theme of the nations organizing, conspiring against God. Bobic notes that mankind had basically thrown itself into culture. You, ha you have this, uh, this conspiracy against God um, by man. You know, God had uh, given a commission to man in the garden to be fruitful and multiply. Well, even though God has spared mankind from total destruction uh, twice now in scripture, man built up its wealth and its power again and built up a great city, a great tower of Babel to make a name for themselves uh, amongst all of mankind. I mean, they're, they're entirely just refusing God's command to spread and multiply. Uh, right. And they, they are wanting to exercise their own uh, independence against God. And so... You know, you, you have uh, the nations versus God, which uh, plays out again and again, such as uh, I just heard a sermon the other week in, in Joshua uh, 11 and Joshua 10, where you have the people of Canaan, I mean, coming together, organizing against the Israelites. Right. You know, the, you have this at the very end of the age, even you have the, the prophecy in Psalm 2, you have in Revelation uh, 20, 21, uh, all the nations coming against Christ. Yeah, this is always the inclination of the city of man to try to rise up and destroy the city of God. But even through these acts where God strikes the city of man, he's doing it in a way to, in a certain way, like to preserve the world and to preserve and allow history to continue. You know, if mankind had been left at the Tower of Babel to do as they please, there once again would have reached such a great, degree of judgment as there was in the days of Noah, where they all would have had to have been destroyed again. So what you see here is God essentially by scattering the languages and the peoples, allowing for common grace, allowing for the created order to continue, as we've talked about before, so that eventually the purpose of history, which is Christ, can be fulfilled. And this is a also an amazing thing in the way of a the, the, the combining of general revelation and uh, special revelation in that this is another way where culture is actually advanced. I mean, you, you see one thing in man's you know ingenuity in progressing in its organizing capacity, its strength and its its uh, knowledge, its building, its constructions. Uh, but even right. after the flood, language is developed from God bringing about the confusion and man spreads. And I mean, like when you think about this, we now have uh, multiple languages 
all over the world. How much have we benefited from having various languages, uh, insights throughout history since this time of being able to glean from other cultures, from other right. uh, ideas in ways of expressing thoughts from the Greeks and the Romans to the medievals to today? Or even different products of cultural development. You know how different places have produced different technologies, like say, for instance, uh, the invention of gunpowder that would have required people to go to the part of the earth where the raw materials for gunpowder could be found. Or we have the development of mathematics, which largely came from the Middle East. Things of that nature, all the different technologies and advances in science and math and other disciplines because the cultures were dispersed into their own situations. And yet, with all this general revelation, with all these things that the division of culture, the expansion of culture bring about, Bavink will continue to discuss salvation, special revelation, the knowledge of the true God, in the era that follows is limited to one particular nation, one particular people group. You get the calling, though, of all the nations of the world, the calling to them to come and flock to this one nation. This this one nation was to be a light to all the others and gather them in. Uh, unity was meant to be based upon the word of God. Uh, reunification is also meant to be based on the word of God. And this comes most truly in, in, in a beautiful expression at a, sorry, in a beautiful um, uh, beginnings at a Pentecost, which we'll get to a little bit later. You know, the spirit starts uh, gathering in the nations as they're hearing the apostles in many tongues. For now, though, yeah, it, uh, it heightens with, uh, with Israel as the people of God. The covenant people. And they were to be a light to the nations, but this was often a failed enterprise. It didn't usually happen. I mean, you see some exceptional cases like Ruth as a Moabite brought in, Rahab from the Canaanites. The Gibeonites. See, yeah, the Gibeonites. You see occasionally small pockets of people who come from the nations to the people of God. But in general... Special revelation is limited to this particular nation, this particular people. Yeah, and, and it doesn't make it perfect. They all, uh, they often expressed a, a sense of ethnic superiority, uh, their, a sense of nationalism, uh, and even a hatred for Gentiles and pagans by the time you get into the New Testament. Well, and this suits to point out the inadequacy of that system. I mean, this is the time of types and shadows. It points us to the need for something better this economy of of types and shadows this situation of theocracy that all isn't going to accomplish god's purposes in this earth it wasn't designed to there's something better that needs to come so in this period does he go and just totally neglect uh the pagans of the gentiles i know you'd already mentioned ruth you know we talked about the gibeonites there's other examples jonah going to preach to nineveh this is one of the more ironic examples you have the assyrians assyrian officials assyrian kings coming to seek the counsel of the prophets of israel even as israel is by and large an apostate nation. And at that time, when you say apostate, I mean, they had, uh, yeah, the general revelation, but they also had uh, the word and the law, and they had the right. statutes. It's heightened uh, their their judgment, if you will, uh, in right. the sense that they knew 
what about the the rest of the world though what about the the gentiles you know uh did the gentiles have the word of god as uh, in the special revelation well by and large they did not they should have I mean, all of the peoples that descended from Noah should have had that passed on to them, but there was loss, there was corruption. You can still see, you know, for instance, in the various world religions that proceeded from it, that like they might maintain shades of that truth, but by and large, it was lost and corrupted. Right. There was still kind of a sense of like uh, of deity somewhere, sense of divinity in the world. There was ritual practices, again, sacrifices and offerings and so on and so forth. Um, Even like similar stories of events of the past, like mm -hmm. how many different ancient flood narratives are there? There's many, but they're corrupted. They're far different from the ones that you get in the Bible as far as what's going on and why. And so like mostly they, they would come then to worship creation. We get back to that mm -hmm. motif we've said in many times in previous episodes of Romans 1. Bobbing makes the point towards the end of page 36 that God had in the past suffered the, uh, the heathen to walk in their own ways, but he didn't leave them without a witness. He did good to them. He gave uh, rain from heaven. He gave seasons for harvest and he uh, provided food and gladness. You know, he, he caused the sun to shine on both the evil and the good and the rain upon the just and the unjust. His revelation was displayed in a general manner in creation and worked out through history. As we've been saying, it's just that creation became what was worshipped. Right. It wasn't as though God did some great injustice by severing them from special revelation. The fact is they were idolaters. They rejected their God. They worshipped creation rather than creator. And Bobbing points out uh, an allusion to Romans 2 that the heathen nations received no law like the people of Israel did. And in a concrete sense, they therefore have no law. They nevertheless show by sometimes doing what is commanded by the law, that in their moral nature, they are a law to themselves and have the law written in their hearts. What does Bobbing mean at this point? And, and really, for that matter, what does Paul mean that the Gentiles were a law unto themselves? I mean, when we think about it, we all have an innate sense of moral law. It's not, you know, 100% the same. It's not like people who have never heard the Ten Commandments can just rattle them off. But everyone has an innate sense of morality. Everyone has a conscience. Everyone knows that it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to kill. It's wrong to lie. It's wrong to commit adultery. Now, they might suppress those truths in unrighteousness, as we keep coming back to over and over again. But we see at least this basic moral law written on the hearts of men working out in all different societies throughout history, even those that are far removed from special revelation. So this is one of the issues then with, say, uh, relativism, right? Where, you know, you get, you've had times more towards the beginning of the last decade, uh, a lot of people, you know, saying, well, you know, well, that's your truth and this is my truth or, uh, yeah. you know, this matters or that doesn't matter. You know, but like, I mean, when it comes down to it, we each know when we've been wronged. We know that like, you know, it's it's a problem. It's, it's ethically uh, wrong uh, if someone uh, comes up and punches me in the face as much as they might often like to. It's wrong yeah. ethically to steal. Uh, it's yeah. just... You know, not every worldview is correct. Everybody is a relativist until, say, for instance, somebody cleans out your bank account and then suddenly you're very much an absolutist. That's my money and I want it back. It's my money and I need it now. 
877 cash now. 877 cash now. <laughs> don't call that number, probably. It's not our hotline. This is, this is not a product endorsement. So, what you said a second ago, then, you were talking about how, in some ways, the Gentiles, the, those who weren't Israel, even in the Old Testament period, had some kind of sense of uh, religion, right? There, there was still some kind of worship that they sought to do. They felt that they had to do. And now we're saying that Gentiles have a sense of ethic or a sense of morality, conscience. Yeah. So what, what gives here? Well, we talked about this before, the census divinitatis. Even the Gentiles, I mean, they all practice some kind of religion. They all wanted to worship something. They just were not worshiping the God who is and the God who lives. Yeah, and Bobinga points to uh, John, uh, John chapter 1 here in the prologue. You know, the life and the light of men was in the word, and that word is in the world. There was, though, a rejection of the creator by the created. Uh, we would not give honor to what was rightfully his. So if we want to say it in a different way from our usual Romans 1. <laughs> so in this next section here, Bob Inc. basically walks through a lot of the development of civilization, the history of the world. Now, it is worth noting that one of the things that Bob Inc. is doing all throughout this is he is seeking to harmonize it with Scripture. He's coming from the position, again, of belief that Scripture is right, Scripture is true, and the way we interpret history and archaeology and that sort of stuff needs to proceed from that understanding that Scripture is true. And so other things need to fall into line and be harmonized with it. Yeah, and pretty much at the end of it, uh, of this large section on, uh, he talks about various religions, how they play out. And he pretty much just marks that, uh, remarks that there's three characteristics of false religions, uh, just idolatry, uh, a general false worldview, and salvation by works. And I think uh, that in part uh, also stems from Belgian Confession, Article 29, uh, which mentions the, the marks of a false church, a false system. Um, right. there's, there's similarities there. He then gets at this point, though, where he starts talking about the impact of false religion on cultures as uh, history progresses. Largely in the biblical times, there's, there's much mention of, uh, of paganism. You know, there's a lot of different tribal and folk religions, uh, various ways of uh, idolatry and these, I guess, systems that might, uh, or the, these religions that are in a lot of ways disconnected from us today. He then though says that eventually it's not just that man was you know has some kind of notion of of you know there's a divine and we have to worship him but there were attempts in history to even reform pagan tribal religions uh and instituting forms of like okay how do we get into a into salvation or heaven uh we need a savior or a prophet and this came out in no longer just religions isolated to particular clans and tribes but entire religious institutions of nations that would even spread to the ends of the globe, such as Islam. You know, there, there was a recognition that, yeah, we need a savior. There's uh, prophets that have talked about this and, you know, here's how we get saved and can be righteous. Uh, but they all still bear the marks of the false religions. Uh, there is still idolatry. Um, there is still false worldviews as a whole, and they are based in salvation by works set apart from God. Even as they inch ever closer to the truth, and for instance with Islam, you know, at least with Islam, they finally have arrived at monotheism, that there is one God, but he's not the true God. 
They deny Christ. They deny salvation by grace. They worship a false god. Or you can see this working out in other world religions or even non-religion, like, still strives to find this highest good of man, this thing that Bobbing's always talking about. Like, we talked earlier about this struggle between the oppressors and the oppressed, and people are, with religious intensity and fervor and passion trying to change the course of history and trying to bring out what is in their view a more just society it's futile because it's only seeking the ends of this world but it is functionally a religion the the false religions all very much benefit from these things of general revelation you know they don't acknowledge or recognize the light but they still benefit from uh how he's orchestrating all things in uh creation and life his notions of truth and falsehood, uh, injustice and injustice, beauty and ugliness, referring to Bob and Gump, the end of page uh, 43 here, the relationships between marriage and family and community and state, you know, all these things have a their place in general revelation and God's overall plan of history, even now. This is, uh, in, in a way, tied up then with the common grace where God is still preserving life on earth. He's still preserving man despite our wickedness. And he's bit by bit calling his elect people and building his church body. He's expanding and advancing the kingdom that he rules forever. And in this way, through general revelation and in relationship with uh, working with special revelation, the consummation of all things will be brought. And yet we are where we have been all throughout this. The general revelation is not enough to save. The wisdom of the world is not the wisdom of God, as you see in the opening chapters of 1 Corinthians. And Boving cites that at the bottom of page 43. You know, even then... The Lord uses those who benefit from a special revelation to go and minister and witness to the world around them. You know, the, the salvation can only come by a belief in the in his word, in the word of the gospel. As Paul says in Romans 10, you know, how, how will they call upon him um, whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they're sent? Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And there's a real... Uh, important relationship between then a special revelation and general revelation you know us just talking uh, us who are believers just talking to a non-believer doesn't save them but god does use uh, such things as a means to gather his people by the truth in his gospel even just things like we speak languages we have the ability to communicate one to another we have the ability to travel to go to places where people are that need to hear the gospel the ability to have the written word, to put the word of God into the hands of people. All of these means that are a function of general revelation, functions of common grace, and yet they serve the purpose of special revelation. So with that, we have covered chapter four, the value of general revelation. Like we mentioned before, we're going to be moving a little more quickly through these chapters. Now, if you feel like there's something you would like to hear more about, maybe something you're still wondering about, you can always send us an email. Again, bovcast at gmail.com. If you want more information about this episode, you can visit our new website, bovcast.com. We'll have detailed show notes, we'll have some references, things you can look at if you want to learn more about these topics. 
You can, of course, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave a scathing review or a uh, scathing compliment. On Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, writing reviews helps people to find the show. Or to stay away from the show. Because Bobcast is better with friends or perhaps enemies. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Unless he's not. (laughs) Well, this has gone off the rails. We probably need to get to the Dutch part. And with that, uh, we got another episode wrapped up. We thank you so much for listening and hope that you continue to tune in. And we hope that uh, this has edified you and blessed you in some manner. We'll catch you next time. Till then, tot zines. Tot zines. Thank you for listening to Bobcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts. For the latest Bobcast news and updates, visit Bobcast.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Bobcast is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Subscribe to the Society of Reformed Podcasters feed to hear more great theological content. Music is City of God by Rudy Manrique. We hope you'll join us again next time.